And welcome back to Weekly Comics Monthly. I am Zach Hawkins. And I am Jim Purcell. And it's kind of been a while hey. again. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, life matters got in the way and I had to uh, kind of uh, derail this rocket ship to mix a metaphor. Uh, just so you, everyone out there knows, there was an episode <laughs> I did not release yet. And hopefully you will see that one soon, if not before this one. I apologize for that. I got super lazy. And then I got embarrassed, and then I just kind of tried to bury it because I am not very <laughs> reliable sometimes. <laughs> oh, wait, oh, honestly, if I was I, if I was left in charge, no episode we record would ever see the light of day because uh, I'm I'm kind of hopeless like that. But um, well, just just now, so how have things been with you, Jim? Oh, good. Um, just to remind audiences, the purpose of this podcast is, of course, uh, we are Weekly Comics Monthly, where we talk about our favorite weekly comics of 2000 AD and Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, previously, for a little while, we tried to split, do two episodes a month with one jump, one 2000 AD. We're kind of going to go back to the old format of trying to do both, but at the same time, we're not going to have five-hour episodes where we try to go over absolutely everything that happened in the last oh. month. Yeah, that was a little nuts. Uh, I probably should have thought that out a little better. We're going to try and pare it down and talk about like two or three st- strips that we really want to talk about and then at the end of the episode we'll do a lightning round on everything else just to get our thoughts out you know about what the what we thought of the, the yeah, content. make a digest of sorts yeah we're gonna try to get keep this under two hours uh or less hopefully uh comparatively to the last few it's just it's just growing pains i did not realize how much time it would take to digest Honestly, jump yeah. jump's probably the worst because it's got the absolute most content. It's definitely the biggest. We definitely picked the biggest anthology on the market. So, uh, and then of course we got the magazine well, to throw in there, and 2080 itself kind of blows up into the. Anything launch. else we're reading? Yeah. Um, just roll talk, and yeah, it's uh, definitely did did sometimes drag out a little bit. Whereas in like in comparison to the Fincast or any other podcast, you obviously have to just have the one comic. To just talk the about. one. Uh, but so we're going to try and tighten this up and we're going to see how this works. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so over the last few months, you know, you know, I had time to think about things and, you know, kind of relax again and try to rethink what I want about what this show to be about. Sorry. And, um, I just, you know, I've been reading a lot of comics as I do. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, had another, uh, um, uh, digital comic humble bundle roll around with a bunch of image comics in it, which I. Totally, totally threw 20 bucks at. Yep. Uh, pre- and actually, there was a Boom Humble Bundle, too, where I got a bunch of stuff. I got to read, like, uh, that Mark Wade's um, um, Irredeemable. Which is about, <laughs> I must have missed this one. You must have. Damn, I like Boom stuff. Does it, does it have Lumberjanes in it? Because yes, there was a couple of Lumberjane issues, if not trades. Then that, that, that just makes any price worth it, because Lumberjanes is awesome. I read the first volume of Irredeemable. It's about a Superman character who basically goes rogue. And it was actually pretty entertaining, the first volume. So I'm kind of excited to read the rest of it, see where it goes, if it can sustain itself. Okay. I haven't I hadn't heard of that one. That's um, that's something to add to the pull list. Uh, or at least just to keep an eye out for another yeah. um, Boom Bundle, Humble Bundle. It's always just always good to keep your eye on Humble Bundle because it's like one of the big reasons why I end up buying so many digital comics. Yeah. 
I do kind of wish they did more book book bundles that that had more stuff that I like. I'm a big science fiction reader, and I'm always waiting for that humble bundle with like a bunch of science fiction stuff. And unfortunately, they don't do as many as you'd hope. Like currently, they're doing a bunch of science magazine compilations that I don't really care about, and like origami stuff. Unfortunately, that I'm not really a craft person, so sometimes they have all this value, but you're not really into it. I think because it's like a charity drive kind of thing, yeah. the company has to approach Humble Bundle as like a as like a movement to say, hey, we will give you this, this, and this to put up for so and so much. Yeah. So it's like a company like uh, I don't know what's that imprint Solaris is it Rebellion have like a, yeah their imprint. Their, their imprint Solaris they I think they still have Abaddon but I'm not sure if they still support it as heavily as Solaris. Okay, I, I, it's like. They would have to be solicited. I mean, they would have to go to Humble Bundle and say you can have such and such and such a book. So they right. could have, you could have um, uh, Al, oh no, the Al Ewing Alphabet Man book thing and Akak Macak. I don't know. I've not read a lot of the Solaris catalog. Um, yeah, I went. Through, I went. I was, actually, I was actually looking at their catalog for a while, just trying to find if there's anything that would be interesting to read. Because, like I said, I do like fantasy and science fiction to read. But I couldn't really find anything. I mean, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta try some of it. It, uh, it would be I, nice I, to have. I, a, it would be nice to have a Solaris humble bundle to make that easier. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, I, I did get a whole bunch of Doctor Who audiobooks though, back uh, on uh, radio dramas from a few, a few about a month or so ago. Those are excellent. Oh, they are. They're, they're, they're probably some of my favorite audio dramas you can get right now. Being full cast and. Uh, the original crew, and basically anyone who isn't the original crew does a really good impression of whoever's missing. It's it, they're, they're good collections. Yeah, I, got, I think I got the first eight of uh, the the main line uh, Doctor Who ones in the Cyber War Wars or whatever. Oh, that's neat. All the Cyberman stuff they do is fantastic. Yeah, I, I the first the first Doctor Who audio I ever I ever listened to was uh, Spare Parts. Yeah, and that was a good place to start. That's a good and. It is a good. One. They did another one fairly recently with Paul McGann and the Cybermen called the Silver Turk, which is probably one of my favorite things they've done. Oh, neat! I have to look that one up. Yeah. So yeah, humble bundles have basically been tidying me over for the last few months. Yeah, I've been kind of doing the same, but with a lot of my um, digital and DVD back catalog, well, Blu-ray back catalog. I was ill for about three weeks in December. With what was a pretty bad fever. It was also partially a bend from diving, Ooh. so that was that was unpleasant. Came up, so, came up too fast. Uh, I had to. I was um, assisting a, a student, and he basically panicked and yanked me up with him. That mm-hmm. was not the best experience of my life. But I'm back now. That's fine. It's good. It's over. Um, no, just got through a load of movies I've just had stockpiled for ages. Um, what you see? Re- Sorry. What did you watch? Oh well, um, I rewatched Fury Road again. Okay, it's like the third or fourth time I've seen it, and it's still great. It holds up. Uh, the, worst part, the worst part about that movie is how it basically eclipses the rest of the series. Yeah, it kind of makes you. <laughs> it kind of makes you wonder why you'd watch any of the other ones. But then I, I go and get back into that. I rewatched Mad Max One. Mm. Great Road Warrior. I love Mad Max One. I'm probably the only person on earth who thinks it's better than two. Uh, that's a scrape. I think it does things better than two, but I still think two is just 
so godly. Ro- Road Warrior is uh, one of the best action movies of all time. No, oh, definitely. no doubt. But I like Mad Max for his dramatic elements more. It, it, they're two it, very different movies. Oh, definitely. It, it's Death Wish as a sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah. The weird, Charles, the weird thing about that, that weird thing about that movie is it never actually says it's a post-apocalyptic movie. It actually probably takes place slightly before the end of the world. It has a feel to it, doesn't yeah. it? That some things about to kind of go down. Yeah, impending doom. And that's probably one of its biggest strengths. That yeah. You don't have, you just assume, and then it's almost kind of providential. Gets the second movie, shit has hit the fan. Right. That was good. Uh, I also watched. Um, Kind of, kind of a lot of horror movies recently. Um, the Evil Dead trilogy is a rewatch. Um, of course. What else? Well, because I've not watched Ash vs. Evil Dead yet, but that's apparently really good. Apparently it is really good. I have not watched it yet either. I've never actually uh, seen Evil Dead 2, which I probably should do. On- oh, you should definitely watch that. One of the most demented movies ever. It's just great. Um... Oh, Edge of Tomorrow was another one I watched recently, which I, is... I gotta get my hands on that movie. I keep... I keep, it, It's one of those movies I don't want to pay a lot for, because I know it's like... It shouldn't be more than like 10 bucks one of these days, but at the same time, I never can seem to get my hands on it when it's on sale. It's solid. So, it's I hear it. that. And of course, we read the... You were reading Jump when uh, All You Need yeah. Kill was running, right? Yeah. It's one of the few things that I've double-dipped for. Like, it was released in a, an omnibus volume. Yeah. Lovely. It's a great series. I need. I haven't. I haven't read the short novel though, which like started it all. Yeah. Apparently, there was an American comic as well. Yeah. Oh, that's right. They did make. They did make an American version, which probably nobody talks about for some reason. But now I've just kind of been relaxing a bit because, as I said, I can't. My primary hobby is kind of was kind of out of commission for a while. So uh, right. Kind of took up writing a little bit, and I think I've got a couple of things I might want to send to a small press writer for uh, a small press publisher, even Neat. for a, a comic script. Oh, Possibly, so, so yeah. you're working on comic scripts, not not prose? No, not prose. Well, one or two I might just kind of keep as prose, eh? but others I might want to see if I can convert them into a proper comic script. Yeah, I, I play that game sometimes where I go back and f- bounce back and forth between I- ideas and how to format it. Yeah. As a story or as a comic. I'd got about two chapters into a a Judge Dredd kind of prose script. Send it, uh, send it to Zarjaz. I, I, that was my thought. And then I came back like after a week of not writing it, read it back and thought, oh God, I really don't know what I'm doing. Especially after Mike Carroll's current run on Dredd, which just completely makes any attempt I could have redundant. So that's a high pedestal to put yourself on. God, yeah, it's, it's kind of like Dread's got such a high pedigree of good artists, right? Uh, good writers, yeah. even right now. Mike Carroll, Mike Carroll got started as a fan writer, right? Did he? I don't know. I don't. I I want to say he's one of those uh, Zarjaz guy. No, he was. He, I think he won a short story competition, and it kind of spiraled out from there. Okay, maybe. Don't quote me on that. It's just I feel mm. I feel that's what happened. I know he's doing a lot of like prose right now that's going straight to Kindle and uh, gets collected eventually. Not read any of those yet, but they're apparently really good. Like he's, he's writing all the Anderson um, uh, uh, novels and Year One, and I think it was a Rico prequel. A what prequel? Uh, Rico. Oh, Rico. Well, yeah, okay. But no, that's. Uh, 
No, it's just that Rob Williams, everybody's doing such a good job right now. I just kind of look at it and I go, oh, I, know, I right? really, I mean, really it, don't know what I'm doing. I mean, it's it's Wagner, um, Williams, and Carroll basically carrying uh, dreaded on their shoulders, and they're doing a hell of a job of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think it's a little better way because sometimes at some points there were like too many different writers, I felt, and some of them don't get dread as well as others. Like you get your like a Robbie Morrison in there or a, or um, well, I guess uh, Wyatt. Um, oh, what's his name? Gets it. Yeah. He's good at the one shots. Um, yeah. I just I just like it having more tighting, tighter writing group as opposed to like having a whole mix I just yeah. think it make, keeps Dread more consistent. Yeah, I've, I've really liked at the minute where um, Wagner, uh, Williams, and Carol have juggled their individual plot threads. Yeah. They're all doing it all so well, and it's like Carol's got um, the DeMarco series to kind of back up into, and um, Williams has obviously got Low Life and. And um, uh, uh, um, Lawless. That's Dabnut, isn't it? Oh shit! You're right. It is Abnett. My mistake. Yeah, I, I was. I was just thinking that. Because like, Dan Abnett's kind of. I, I don't know how much dr- pure dread he's w- written, but I know he's written a fair few spin-offs. You're right. Yeah, it is Abnett, and he has. He does seem to focus more on spin-offs than he does on the main dread. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Honest. It's it's all well and good, like saying, so, "Oh, I want a Shimura spin-off and stuff like that," but it, it, they become saturated after a point, and you feel like everything just revolves around Dread as a person rather than the the greater universe. Yeah, actually, latest the latest Dread story, I kind of thought that when in the opening segment, how Dread got involved was kind of, "Oh, it's Dread at this really uh, mundane event." Yeah, felt like beneath him. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's kind of how different people view Dread. I know Wagner's kind of built Dread up to this point where he's like, um, he's viewed by the citizens at large as, um, you know, kind of being like a god almost, and he can't be everywhere at once. Whereas Carol's strips kind of focus him on being more kind of like a judge, just doing what a judge does. He makes him more kind of a job man. Right. And Williams is all about writing him into these big mega epics that he's um, spinning left and right. With space and ice monsters and... He, Corrupt he's judges. Def- he's definitely and... the most out- more outlandish in terms of yeah. events. And it's good to have that balance, I think. It's also good that certain um, artists have attached themselves to certain writers, so yeah. you get... Um, almost kind of like teams, and there's a consistency going on. That's really neat. Yeah. Yep. So, um, I think we're going to do a little bit of news. I think there's there's a bunch of, like, 2000 AD-related news running around right now that are all very interesting. Um, what did you find out, Zach? Uh, there's one or two things coming up. Uh, first up, there's been quite a bit of debate going on as to who... Oh, we've just been talking about Carol... Who Michael Carroll will be killing off in the upcoming weeks? Yeah. Apparently one of the regular cast members of Dread, either in the long term or short term, who is prominent in current storylines, will be meeting a demise. Apparently, in his own words, a lot of people are going to hate him by the end of the summer. Oh. Uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently this came up in the uh, Diamond preview solicitation info uh, for these particular weeks coming up. That's usually how 
this this sort of like storyline based news comes about. If I remember correctly, uh, it's Carol and Flint on whatever story this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Henry Flint. Um, I think. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'm. You know what? I might be thinking of the also Carol written Rico and. Um, Oh shoot! Uh, Coburn team up story that has also been teased. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, apparently that that's I my original thought was he's going to kill Rico, but someone told me that apparently he's writing a a story that has Rico and Cursed Earth Coburn term, teaming up. Now that'd be interesting if Carol's picked up Coburn because he's kind of that one character that um... kind of dangling. That's kind of dangling. Like I remember Billy Zane coming out years ago, and um, there was the big kind of cliffhanger that uh, Rico and um, Coburn had been cursed by the oh, Gala Bruja, the Munja. Right. The cursed of um, voodoo monsters who pop up every now and again. Yeah, this is a long ago. I can barely remember it. I think I might. I, I don't know if I was even reading the Meg at the time. Oh, I, I think it was like the last series of Coburn, so we're going back at least 2000. And that was, of course, Gordon Rennie, so, uh, and he's no yeah. longer writing any dread at all. So if Carol's picking up uh, Coburn, it's actually nice that he's got, got a little bit rescued. Because hmm. he's, he's an interesting character with an interesting setting. I kind of I, I always like the Cursed Earth Coburn stories. Yeah, I loved Coburn. All his stories have been reprinted recently as part of the, uh, oh no, will be reprinted soon. As part of the um, the part works that's currently going on for Judge Dredd. The what works? The part works. What's that? Oh, do you not get a part? Did you not get them over there? What the part works are is it's called the Judge Dredd Mega Collection. Oh, the Mega Collections. Yes, I, yes. W- I believe we do get the Mega Collections, but I don't know how because I don't don't buy print books anymore. Yeah, that's true. Enough. Uh, I got all the Coburns in uh, the Carlos Esquire collection that came out. That's in- where I have them. Yeah. That's a cool collection. Which is a weird, a weird collection for a Judge Dread titled book, because it's it's a, first first of all it has Helter Skelter, which he only drew like half of. Oh, I know Henry Flynn did the rest. The rest, and and then there's of course most of it's all Cursor with Coburn, the majority of it. So it's not yeah. even a Dread Judge. It's not even a Judge Dread book for the most part. So th- no. It's definitely the weirdest of the art collect uh, the artist collections that they put out. At least they had the decency to put uh, Coburn on the cover. Yeah. So it's not completely falsely selling you, just partially. Yeah. Um, other bit of well, wait. Um, what was the other bit of news? Tales of Dead World coming back. Oh yes, that's right. You did mention apparently. Where did you find that out? Did it just get posted on Facebook or something? Yeah, uh, another member of the 2000 AD forum who I'm um, friends with on Facebook shared this. I believe it's also from the, the Diamond uh, solicitations. Uh, there was a brief interview with oh, Christ, uh, Dave Kendall, the illustrator for Tales of Dead World. Yep. I believe that's right. And he's currently working on a, a, another story that will be published later this year. I suspect we'll see it around think, uh, Halloween time. He's a bit vague on the details, but um, I think he mentioned something about the Sisters of Death. So he'll either focus on them or he'll elaborate more on their relationship with... Yeah. Uh, the other judges, j- dead drud- dark judges. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be set after the last series, so it's like it is just the four dark judges now. All the other ones um, are now dead. 
Yeah, uh, we uh, we talked extensively about Dreams of Dead World in the un- unreleased episode of that I've been the, sitting. The tragic lost episode. Which I will again, I will try to get up as soon as possible. <laughs> um, wasn't there one other thing? Unless I'm... Yes, um, in recent, kind of like in the last six months or so, Rebellion seems to have set a trend of re-releasing things that... Previously, nobody thought British comics that nobody thought would ever see reprinted again. Started out with Zenith, uh, then uh, Returns to Armageddon, uh, then the Dandere series. What, what, um, what was what was up with Return to Armageddon? Was that like based on a book or something? Nah, no, I don't think it was. I think it was just kind of one of those titles that was kind of a midway book. It wasn't it. It wasn't Halo Jones, but it wasn't like I don't know Bonjo from Beyond the Stars either. Oh, just, and so it just wasn't popular enough. You'd, you'd think? No, yeah, it was like deemed unpopular enough to not get a reprint. Also, it was controversial because there was kind of a press thing going over here in the UK where it was oh, kids uh, being polluted by violent comics and stuff like that having read oh, it oh so it had a like a legacy that yeah there was a backlash about it okay. uh, there is some pretty gruesome stuff in it even for 2000 ad especially considering it was still kind of a kids comic at the time what, what, what era was that, was that, was that like mid 80s or well, early 90s uh, early 80s i was okay, thinking so early was, early okay so it's kind of moved away from like the the kiddie kind of era judge dread but it wasn't like kind of Zenith level adult yet, if you know what I mean. No, I gotcha. Had, yeah, it, had, it hadn't quite matured with the audience yet. But it was Return to Time again. And I get the feeling it was like one of the first truly adult sci-fi stories that they published. I see, and that's why it got such a bad backlash. So, yeah. uh, what is Rebellion uh, picked up this time? Uh, it is Alan Moore's horror series from Scream called Monsters. Which I know absolutely nothing about, other than the fact that, oh, Alan Hebden illustrates it, who also illustrated Return to Armageddon. So, oh, interesting. That's interesting. Um, so no, 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 not Alan Hebden. Uh, oh, Christ! Just one moment. Alan Hebden wrote Return to Armageddon. Um, what was the artist's name? Oh, just give me a couple of moments. But he is a pretty big name in the industry, actually. He illustrated My Tech the Mighty, I think, for a recent prog at the end of the uh, end of 2015. Jesus Redondo. Oh, okay. That guy. Um, he's still around, actually, and he's doing quite well for himself. But um, this is like kind of something that nobody thought would see reprinted. Is, is, because... is Scream kind of like your Tales of the Crypt equivalent? Yeah, it only lasted for something like 20-odd issues, though. I think the big thing was people said, I think Alan, no, Alan Grant and John Wagner actually canned it themselves rather than um, kind of, you know, demand by some kind of legal court or whatever, because they were afraid of the backlash that came out from the EC kind of horror comics. Oh, I see. So they, when that was happening, they decided to end it before yeah. it happened. I think it was a couple of years later, but they were, there was a similar kind of public animosity building about Scream, so they said before before there's any kind of court case coming up, let's just nip this at the bud. I see. Well, it's probably for the best, because uh, probably pay, by doing that and not getting the legal battle, it probably helped pave the way for the more mature stuff to come out of elsewhere. Yep. It, it, basically, with Scream, Star-Lord, and Tornado died, so 2000 AD could, could live. Yep. 
had to sacrifice themselves, which is, they all came from the same publishing house and not everything takes off. Yeah. Which makes sense. And some things obviously get carried over. 2000 AD got uh, Strontium Dog and Robusters. And Blackhawk. And Blackhawk. Uh, and two strips from Scream carried over to the New Eagle. So um, that was cool. Interesting. I think Monster was one of them. And then the other one was the 13th Floor, which I own a couple of volumes of. That's a pretty cool series. But no, that's it for yeah, 2000. That, that's fascinating. That's a very interesting news. It's really nice to see Rebellion making a, make it a play for getting some of these older reprints. Uh, just because, you know, they are starting to actually get to the bottom of their well of reprint materials. So it actually makes sense for them to branch out a little bit more. Yeah. The thing is, with these comes limited demand, so there's limited print runs, right. so if you want them, you'll have to get in like, as early as possible, if they want to break even. But that's about it for the news. Alright, so let's get into talking about the actual content. Uh, this particular episode, we're going to be talking specifically about uh, com- uh, the, the, com- the 2080 progs and Weekly Shonen Jump issues that came out during the month of January. January, which I'm also going to include uh, uh, the the jumping on prog just because they put it out middle of December doesn't mean it's not a comic for January. Yeah. Um. So to kick it off, you wanted to talk about the goings on in Judge Dread lately. Yeah, the current go- the current series um, started. Ghosts started in I believe uh, 1963. Yes. Yes, yes it did. 1963. This is a Michael Carroll pen story by Mark Sexton, who is... who? I feel like he's drawn something else. He's drawn the Mad Max series for Vertigo, which is probably what got him this gig. Okay. It was a, I think that was like a two-issue miniseries, and there was, a, there was a little Easter egg in it called Dread 2, The Cursed Earth. It was just a poster for a movie that never that, happened. Cause, <laughs> funny. And uh, that's what got him it. And I'm pretty glad he did because he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, he's got I, I'm, he's got this art. It kind of reminds me of um, um, Dodri. Uh, yes. Yeah. Kind of like his open line art style. It doesn't have a lot of cross hatching. It's just very clean looking. Mm. The, um, he reminds me a little bit of Dylan Tegu a bit as well. And... Um... Patrick Goddard? Oh, Goddard. He also definitely has a look of Goddard to him. Especially in his faces, like this this uh, close-up of this drunk of the drunk guy at the start. Kind of, yes. I, I can kind of see, like, uh, Defoe in his face. Uh, yes. Yeah, I see that now it's pointed out. That's, uh... No, he's definitely got a very unique and malleable style to him. He seems to have a preference for post-apocalyptic series as well, because, um... I think no sooner has he finished this that he's now working for DC for a Wacky wacky Racers. Oh, he's doing Wacky Racers? Yep, the Apocalyptic Wacky Racers reboot. Yep, which basically makes it one of the two series from that reboot I actually want to check out. Yeah, I'm really... The reboot's really weird because Scooby-Doo looks awful and Flintstones doesn't look much better, but... The wacky, mm. the, the the Mad Max style wacky races and um, Doc Sh- Doc Shanner and um, uh, Darwin Cookie doing uh, what was it called Future Quest with like yeah. crossover 
like Johnny Quest and Space Ghost and Birdman. That never, is so amazing. That looks pretty darn cool. I love Darwin Cook as well. So it's amazing. I, Doc Shanner has been he. I've actually been following him for years. He's I, I first got wind of him when I was hanging out on the Newsarama forums back when they existed. He would he would get involved in like these uh uh art threads that we would do sometimes, like art contests with like themes. Yeah. And he has just been absolutely gorgeous since day one. He can he can channel like the Silver Age style like nobody else. Like it, it's it's absurd what he's capable of. The, uh, the name's just clicked with me. Hasn't he done quite a bit of the Big Bang stuff? Big Bang? No. No. Yeah, Ultiman, Night Watchman, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Not him. No. No. I, I, I thought his name was familiar from there, but probably not. Probably someone else. Someone else. No, you're. I, I know what Big Bang is, and I think I know what you're talking about, but it, it's definitely not him. Okay. But no, he... I, but he's done. What has he done? He's done a couple of like. He's done a couple of DC books already. He's done. I believe he's doing a super a digital only Superman. He really likes drawing Captain Marvel. I don't think he, they've let him yet though. Oh, um, that's a shame because I like Captain Marvel. Yeah, and he draws a good one, and he's he, he understands the spirit of Captain Marvel. But anyway. well, just looking at that one illustration he did for uh, for Space Ghost makes me want to see it. Just see, I love Space Ghost, and he can definitely channel the style of the TV series. Yeah, so well. Yeah, he's definitely nailing it artistically. But anyway, that, oh yeah, we digress. We digressed. We should probably focus more on Dread than DC right now. Sexton was kind of the link here, but let's yeah. let's bring it back around to 2018. So this arc, no. this arc's pretty interesting. Because, this arc is pretty interesting because it's all about um, flunked out academy, uh, not flunked out, but uh, like rejected academy recruits being abducted by nefarious characters who have ties to Justice Department. Yeah, and then, it, it's kind of another judges who judge the judges who judge the judges, which I'm pretty sure was Smiley's job, but we seem to have forgotten he even existed. I'm sure he likes it that way. Mm-hmm. It just seems to be another division that exists within, yet outside of Justice Department. That I'm amazed has managed to last this long, particularly through Chaos Day. Like, shouldn't this kind of thing... Well, just... I think their isolation probably protected them from that. I mean, the, the whole concept is that they are they are separate from the regular judges completely. So, yeah. well, what about Necropolis? Necropolis, is, the dark judges made it their job to hunt down everybody who was a threat to them, but wasn't under their influence of the dark of the Sisters of Death. Yet somehow this division survived. Yeah, I don't know enough about Necropolis, but you got there's been a lot of crises that this must have survived through. Yeah, it seems a bit kind of I don't know coincidental for me. But that's just that's just my two pence. Yeah, but over. I mean, I. I it, what was I going to say? I was going to say uh, the way this um this this story has been building has been absolutely excellent. I oh yeah. I especially like it was in the second chapter where basically this entire uh, PSU division gets wiped out in brutal fashion. Oh yeah, that whole that whole second part was just one big fight scene. And it was a it was a great one and all. This um, oh, I forget her name, but she's the the, the quote unquote fake judge, the jimp, or the special division judge. She, she doesn't mess around. Well, except with dread. She, oh, of course. She, she's got a monologue a bit there. 
Could have, you had your chance, love. You had your chance, but you couldn't take the shot. Couldn't you shut your mouth. <laughs> and that was the sort of thing. She also got that robot thing to come in. That fired off a couple of shots. Could that not have aimed for him? I don't know. Dread gl- pesky plot armor. Yes. See, it's almost would be better if Dread hadn't been the one to like respond to like the the um, domestic call. Yeah. And instead, this massacre be what brings him in. Mm, yeah, like, he, like like they can see it over the the video com, and he's rushing to it, but he's not doesn't get there on time, and yeah. she's escaped. That, I think that would have been better. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where the story it's Judge Dread. You got to have Judge Dread as your main character, and it's a conceit, I guess, the series has to make. But it does give, it does, in some cases like this, it feels like he has more plot armor than he really necessarily needs. Mm. But, um... He could definitely have been beat up a little bit more to, um, drive it home, but as it is, he just gets kind of winged and just kind of uh, sits there to bleed out for a bit. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's, as you say, it's a bit kind of flimsy, but at the same time, it, it's part and parcel with the series. Yeah. Nobody can kill off Dread yeah. except Wag. Like, but no, I've, I really enjoyed it. Maybe, Sorry? maybe Michael Carroll will kill Judge Dread. <laughs> oh, the twist. The twist. I mean, Or he, he was a clone all along, like he's been a clone from Trifecta, or I don't know. I mean, it could be interesting to actually, quote-unquote, kill Judge Dredd for, like, six months. Hmm. Like, wound him so bad he has to stay in the the, the, the rappy heel for... Yeah. God knows how long. Some, yeah, and, like, how can... how And then you just do, like, six months of stories of how does Mega City 1 survive without Dredd as, like, the figure of the law. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't think they'll do that for various reasons, but I just think that's something that you could do to interesting yeah. results. It would also give Brian Bolland the opportunity to have his fatty story published. So, uh, I don't know anything about that one. No, Brian Bolland apparently has done like the pencils for a fatty story that uh, he's been sitting on for like a decade, <laughs> which is a shame. But um, uh, Michael Carroll's knocking out of the park at the minute. I think. What were the- As I said, I've, I think it's been a bit coincidental, this story. But uh, who knows? It's just nothing more than common grumblings from myself, so I probably shouldn't moan about it. Speaking of killing Judge Dredd, we, just going back real quick to the start of the year to uh, Judge Dredd Street Cred, the, the other Michael Carroll story where it's about this kid who claims oh, God. he shot Judge Dredd. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. He, he shot him, but he didn't kill him. Everybody's just going, like, oh, yeah, you killed him, you killed him, you killed him. No, I just said I shot him. I didn't kill him. And I just kind of like, oh, crap, we're all screwed. They're going to trace you to us. We're doomed. Uh, see, this is the quintessential Michael Carroll story, where he takes the concept of Judge Dredd and just kind of, like, twists it around into, like, a <laughs> semi-comedy while also being, like, you know, right in line with what Judge Dredd should be. <laughs> This is why I just this, this is why I think he gets dread because he knows how oh, to write yeah. he he knows how to write mega city stories. Yeah. Well, I just love that last page where after beating the ever loving god out of that poor kid, they just kick him out, and the judge just kind of casually strolls up to him rather than chase after the vehicle. 
So yeah, that was a good one too. Uh, did did Carol write the Christmas story too? I think he did. No, I believe that was Rob Williams. Oh. Oh yeah, that's right. It was um it was a tie in to uh to um uh old life. Yes. Uh, Titan, yeah. the Titan arc. Yes, it was. Which I'll need to toss into my custom Titan graphic novel. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, this was a funny little one. This um, it's kind of a take on the the snowman classic cartoon that's on every single Christmas here in the UK. I don't know what it's like for America. It seems to be more kind of an English thing. What snowman? Yeah, the snowman. Oh, we make snowmen. No, 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 no. What I mean is, there's a there's a cartoon that came out in oh like... the oh the snowman. Yes. Yeah, they aired that in school like all the time when I was growing up. Really? Oh yeah. We whenever the teacher needed to take a break, they pop in the snowman during Christmas season. Oh Walking so in the sweet. air is forever burned into my mind. Oh yes. Every single child in the world knows that song now, I'm pretty sure. Or most anyway. Yeah, it seems to be like a funny little kind of dread world take on that story. Which is nice in that all the snowmen get horribly massacred. <laughs> Which is not nice. It's kind of it's kind of another ju- don't judge a book by its cover because all these guys look either sinister, monstrous, child molesters, or just punks. Punk, Who, punk of course, men. punk snowmen. Uh, don't judge punks. They're, uh, they're they're nice people, just like you and me. They just kick over trash cans. <laughs> Apparently, in a Simpsons cartoon, they do anyway. But, um, no, this, that, that was a nice one shot. And Henry Flint was absolutely on par. Oh, God, yeah. As per usual. You can always rely on Henry Flint to be one of the best things to grace any prog, really. Really? Any, any 2000 AD. It makes everyone, everything better. It's just that last panel where he's just walking away in away from the flames. <laughs> I, I kind of wish he had another strip going on right now. I don't think we've seen Zombo in a while. I can say, having been to football last November, I spoke to Henry Flint. I actually got a pretty rad uh, Judge Mortis sketch from him. Neat. Um, he is currently working on the basic line art for Zombo. It won't be coming out this year, probably next year. Ah. Uh, so it is on the horizon. Neat. Good to know. Nice to know. M- Mortis. Morris. Morris, I know. Oh, yeah. That was a typo I did on the forum. I... Judge Death, Judge Fear, Judge Morris, Fire, and Morris. <laughs> it's a bit Moorish, very Moorish for these vegetable crisps. They are sinfully delicious. So the other 2080 strip I wanted to talk about, which started kicked off in the uh, in the Christmas special, uh, was the la- was the latest run of Kingdom. Oh, we oui. yeah. Now you're not a big fan of Kingdom. I am a fan. I do like Kingdom. I just don't think it's the like the definitive kind of strip mid two thousands through to present. Has it been around since the mid two thousands? It's been around for a while, hasn't yeah, it's it? It's been around since like two thousand five now. Christ, so it's like ten years old. So it has been around for yeah. I, I'm one of the people who call it a modern classic. Oh, okay. I I. I I put it on a very high pedestal because for me coming into 2080 when I did it really kind of captivated me. It's one of those strips that whenever it showed up when it showed up I think it showed up about once a year ever since it started its debut. 
Whenever mm-hmm. it's in the prog, 2080 feels like it's complete. And yeah, I will grant you it feels very much like a 2080 strip. Like you wouldn't read it anywhere else. This isn't the kind of story that would be published in uh, Dark Horse Presents or uh, I don't know. Pick, take a pick of your American um, anthology. It just you just wouldn't see it there. But at the same time, as much as I love all the components of it, I don't feel like it's the sum of its parts. Yeah. I do sometimes feel it's a tiny bit repetitive. I, I, the only Kingdom I have ever read was the previous season before this one, mm. which came out probably about a year ago now. Right. Like, I do seem to remember it was a year ago. And this current one. I think I've, never read, I've never read the trades, although I keep meaning to. Okay. But for some, for whatever reason, I cannot get into it as much as other people do. Um, what, what, what I think really, I think it, it's one major weakness is the, is the, 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 the main antagonists them aren't that interesting because they are just big space bugs. Basically, it's Starship Troopers all over again. Right, that's like the one thing that I think this holds this series back. It, it had an opportunity. Um, to have give the villains a voice through these tick things that were in the second book, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the Promised Land, uh, which sort of are mentioned in this one, so hopefully that sort of comes back. But um, other, oh, other were, those, those, were those those dead things they found in the base? Yeah, they're they're semi uh, telepathic. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, they're that's something I might they're actually a, they're actually I believe a parasite to the to them. And but they're not really, they're not really uh, allies so much as just kind of like opportunistic opportunists. Mm. But um, hopefully we get back to them at some point because uh, this does seem to be bringing some stuff back together uh, between because the opening chapter has a bunch of people from space coming in, which is a whole yeah. it's a whole another thing that came out of uh, the second and third books. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like they're piecing together the the before story yeah. bit by bit. I can't. I, I liked that. Sadly, it doesn't seem to have been followed up on. Yeah. In the last couple of weeks, I don't know how many parts this is going to run for. I suspect ten. Ten maybe, to twelve. Yeah. Twelve, maybe. Um, but I don't know. Richard Elson, I absolutely love. Oh yeah, Richard. he's a good one. And it actually, this series is what made me a fan of his because before that, I always thought he kind of looked a little weird. But it, this, this is what made it click for me. I think if you have a weird an artist whose style is weird, get him drawing things that are weird. <laughs> don't have him drawing normal things because they don't look right. And giving Richard Elson what is basically a combination of the Wind in the Willows and Mad Max is 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 like his wet dream. He's having he's clearly having so much fun just drawing all this. Oh yeah, kind of like mismatched uh, machinery. And we even have an appearance from what looks like the um, the tri-tank thing from the Cursed Earth. Yeah, that's what I thought it looked like. It kind of looked like uh, the, uh, yeah, the, whatever that was. The, the Killdozer thing. I, I, I forget its name, sadly. But um, I just saw that and I thought, wouldn't it have been so cute if he just put a little kind of a, a judge, like a skeleton that's nothing but a judge's helmet on it? Wouldn't that have been a cute little nod? But um, obviously it's just a joke. Yeah. But I, I do like the world of Kingdom. I do like the backstory to it. Sadly, I don't find Gene that interesting a character. He's definitely a alpha. Well, he's literally an alpha male. Alpha male. Um, <laughs> that that's exactly the joke. I like the joke, but meh. Gene's kind of see. I've always 
I, I've, I'm not the one who made this initial comparison, but to me, this is this era's rogue trooper. He for the, he is the lone wanderer in a hostile world, trying to find some semblance of peace and or success in this world of nightmare. And it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting how his um, not so much his character has changed, but his 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 role has changed. Where initially he was the pack leader of a pack that was wiped out, so for a while he was alone, and now he's become a leader of this new kingdom of humans and oxes, you know, as one. So he's like he's like the warrior leader, and I think that's an yeah. interesting direction for his character because he is a very straightforward kind of guy. He is get wet he is fight whatever it is head on and i think that it, i i just i i kind of hope this isn't the last story which kind of <laughs> feels like it might be if, if not the last one it might be the penultimate one yeah because how, how many runs are there per book per, per book um what do you mean oh like how how many, how many can like series of it? Uh, because I know there's two trade paperbacks so far. So how many? I runs think this is number six. I think. Okay. Because I think there's two per book, and I think this would fill out a third. Okay. I think that's how that is. So it could be, could be, and you know, Dan Abnett is the king of the hard reset. So maybe he'll be alone again after this. That is true. Or it will uh, be almost kind of like a generational thing, and it'll flash forward to. He's already. Gene, he's actually. Gene's got kids now. He does have kids, and he actually's already done that because he wrote a novel uh, about kingdom about yeah about kingdom that takes place in the future when Gene is like a legend. Oh. Which I haven't read, so I actually don't know the context of how it fits in. So I probably should do that one of these days. That's cool. Yeah, it was called the Fife, It was called the Fiefdom. That's pretty cool. I didn't know that was a thing. Right, I might have to check that out. Um, could it not be one of these two kids though? They're, they're like like a couple of weeks old or something in this in in this chapter. Could be, could be. I don't know. No, it's cool. No, Kingdom. I want to love Kingdom more than I do, but as it is, it's just kind of a. Uh, a book that I am enjoying on a week by week basis. I don't think I'd look back at it in the same way I look at. Um, Oh, I don't know. Shakara. Shakara, Nikolai Dante, or... Or Dante, that's the one um, that I look back on every now and again and go, man, I miss those series. Man, we have not had a replacement for Dante yet. That is a big gaping hole. I think The Order could be it. The Order could be it, maybe. Maybe. Possibly. I, I think Kingdom would work best as a three-book series. You are right with that. But I wouldn't complain if the third book had um, a third like series in it. It was like a little longer than the others. Just real... Well, no, we'll talk about that later. Um, so, okay. yeah. yeah, I'm just glad Kingdom's back. I just, Again, it's a series I hope never ends because it's a series that I feel that has... It, while it may repeat itself in terms of you know the sort of action it has, I think it is a series that has longevity. But at the same time, in this era, I think having a definitive conclusion, or at least a, would be nice. a conclusion for Gene the Hackman, yeah, is probably more what's likely. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to. Uh, you don't want to see it turn into Sinister Dexter. I don't want to see it turn into Sinister Dexter. You stole the words out of my mouth. I, I think I'd respect it a lot more if it ended at like a free book thing. Of course, the other, the other issue is that I think Ellington is getting big over here in the U.S., so I don't know if he's got time to make more Kingdom forever. 
No, he, I know he's had a few um, Marvel gigs, but I've not read any of them, other than uh, Revolutionary War. Right, he did do Revolutionary I think he, he had a stint on Avengers, I think. Oh, interesting. M- maybe. I'm trying to think. He, he, I think he was even tied up with um, another British writer. I can't remember who, though. Ewing? Ewing. That might be it. Maybe. Yeah, he's another one who's... Um... God damn it, Marvel. Stop stealing Oh, no. Our... Oh, no. He, you know what? I think he was, he, he was doing that... Um... Um, Captain Britain series for oh cool I think okay if now if that's true and I find I'll, I'll probably have a look in a bit if that's true then I might actually want to read it because I like Captain Britain yeah he's like one of the Marvel characters where I actually go yeah I'll read it did, did you read Captain Britain in MI thirteen uh, I have a copy of it but I don't have, I've not read it oh yet. god it's it, so good it's one of my favorite canceled series of all time. Oh, wait, it got cancelled. Oh, my God, it got cancelled. It didn't end on its own terms. Yeah, oh. Unfortunately not. It had to be concluded quickly. But okay. it, it did have a conclusion. It's just a, it's just, I, it's just so good. Yeah. All I know about it is that it's got Captain Britain in it, and I think it might have Death's Head 2 in it as well. That's literally all I know about MI13. Oh, that's right. He, he was drawing... Okay. Ellison was drawing Thunderbolts. Okay. He did. He did. He did a stint on Thunderbolts, and I can't look anything up fast. Anyway, never mind. We'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll get back to Elson at some point. I think Kingdom will probably have wrapped up by the time we get to the next episode. So, yeah. um, possibly talk about it a little bit more if it like is truly is the final installment, then it warrants a second in a row talk. Yeah. Especially if, like, I, I might have read the trades by then. I don't know. We'll see. I definitely do need to sit down and read those first two books, though. They've been on my to-get list for, like, years. Yeah. They're they're good. I like them. I like Kingdom a lot. And, you know... I need to read when, that novel. When it, first, when it first launched, I didn't think I was going to care for it. Because, I don't know, it was kind of... I don't know. It, it took a while for it to grow on me. And then it became probably the most important book of my time reading 2000 AD. It's one of those weird things. Yeah. I think because I was initially turned off by uh, the artwork, but it grew. Like I said, it grew on me by the end of that first book. I guess Ellington did not do the uh, the uh, Secret Wars Captain Britain series like I thought he did. He, uh, oh, okay. He has only done. Uh, he did a run on X Force and Revolutionary War. Oh, and Morbius, the Living Vampire. Oh, did he do that? I think he did a mini series for Morbius. I knew he'd done um, at least one. Uh, X-Men run, or run on something X-Men related. Yeah. I don't know, there's yeah. too many X-Men think, comics. Yeah, it was X-Force. That's good. Alright, so Weekly Shonen Jump, of course. Home of a billion series. So, like, like 2080, we're going to narrow it down just a little bit. And we're going to talk about the month of January to varying degrees. Do you want to start with Black Clover? What about? Yeah, we'll start with Black Clover. Um, so this series, of course, has a pretty straightforward premise. It's a kid who doesn't, quote-unquote, has no magic ability in a world where, that highly values magic. Um, he apparently has been chosen to possess anti-magic, which, as it sounds, like counteracts magic, which makes him actually absurdly powerful in the right context. <laughs> uh, he gets get-out-of-jail-free cards all the time because he gets underestimated. Bye. Um, it's very, very shonen in its structure because it's very much about the kid gets recruited by the worst team 
who are actually pretty cool. They just aren't given a chance by the elitist, snob-nosed, elitist types. The, the rich folk, basically. Yeah. The monarchy. So, and he wants to be king of the wizard king. Which totally isn't like Naruto or One Piece. Gesundheit. <coughs> so it's basically about a kid trying to be the very best like no one ever was. With, with the worlds stacked against him. But for some reason, I don't know why it's been growing on me month, week after week. It's just, it's so, premise is so basic. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the action and the art is so competent. It's just it's it's starting to creep ahead of yeah. world trigger in, in my rankings. Oh yeah, that's uh, I will give it that. It has for a while been ahead of world trigger. I think the thing is with that is world trigger is kind of stuck in the same scenario. Yeah. Whereas, whereas Black Clover, whether it's treading on the feet of Naruto or not, is at least progressing. Yeah, you do get the sense... It, and the characters are all distinct enough that you can tell them apart half the time. Definitely, yeah. Even if they are all a bag of cliches. Mm-hmm. That being said, there's one or two characters I feel are standouts who don't really adhere to the, the kind of cliché. Aster is a cliché. Yuno is a cliché. Noel is a horrible cliché. Oh, yeah. Yep. Hor- oh, God, my skin is crawling. This kind of mirror dude is oh god he makes my skin crawl why because he's such a badass oh what, no the mirror you, dude, dude no, the reflective about, dude oh yeah what, what? The, the, the guy with a sister complex oh right he's the one who he he only cares about his sister oh god nobody I, else i oh uh. no yami who is the captain of like the, the black balls yeah the guy who's turned up in the last couple of chapters for like his kind of debut debut big fight affair. I like him. Yeah, he's a. I mean, he's a he's a he's a tough guy type role, but he's definitely he's got an air about him. He's also got, he's also he's not a, he's not a stuck up. He's got humor to him too. Oh, like he gave his backstory, and it was like four panels. That was so funny. <laughs> That was half, half. That was half my life. No, but that was basically it. I, I don't give a shit about the rest. Is I, I like him. I also kind of like this secret order. Well, not so secret order now, I guess. Yeah. Um, who exists to uh, affront the Clover Kingdom and the ma- well, not the Clover Kingdom, but the the Magic Knights. They think they are corrupt and kind of broken. Problem is, they're kind of massive hypocrites. Oh yeah. Definitely. But then they're villains. That's usually their thing. Mm, yeah. But I do like their designs, and I kind of like their methods, because they are, like, clever and sadistic, and they're not... I mean, they're they're kind of cliche, but at the same time, they're also... They're not boring cliche. Well, there's the, there's the, the dude who basically instigates the whole invasion with his, his zombie um, resurrection magic. Yeah, he was kind of... He was neat. He, definitely... he was neat. I liked his... Um, his, like, his the gimmick. whole point. His gimmick was that he is he has magic, but he only has one spell, hmm. and that if makes him worse than Aster in some respects because he's you know it's kind of like you're the joke of the whole community, and it, the thing is he has a good power. Resurrect he, the dead. 
resurrect the dead, and he can resurrect wizards, which means that he actually has a lot of powerful um, resources. Yeah. So his thing is he only got one spell, but he can utilize the, the spells of the dead wizards. Hmm. But no, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, setup to have. I, I get the feeling that, that um, uh, the, the, the leader, the light guy... Or girl, or I don't know, she's androgynous. Yeah, it is very androgynous. I'm pretty sure it's a guy because they keep calling him Master. Mm. I'd be, I'd be, because it's a shonen comic, I'd be absolutely shocked if it was a woman. It's just, it seems to always be a cliche that if the villain... The androgynous person... The androgynous villain is always be a man. man. Yeah. Especially if they're the villain. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a, oh, you're androgynous, and then no, it's a, hello, I'm David Bowie. Huh. That kind of androgynous. Um, oh, David Bowie. Uh, but no, um, I, I, do, I do like the villain's spiel in this, is that they are kind of a downtrodden community. I don't quite understand why the scientist girl's downtrodden, because she actually has a pretty awesome power. Yeah, I like Even her a lot. She's uh, got a very... I mean, she's, you know... She's in, she's in love with the main character, which I guess is a cliche, but I think... In a sadistic manner, which yeah. I actually... She wants to take him apart. Yeah. (laughs) There are different kinds of love. She only loves him for his body. Literally. Literally. Organs everywhere. Blood. It's a mess. Last time she rented the hotel room, they couldn't use it ever again. But no, I do. Black Clover's growing on me, but it, it still kind of feels like... It, it, it's trying too hard to be Naruto. Yeah. It's not taking the Naruto formula. And Naruto was by no means, like, the first of its kind. Right. But it was first, like, massively, hugely popular. I just like, I just like, I just like Asta. Like, I like Asta. I, I mean, his attitude is fairly common, where he's just really gung-ho and really, you know, really uh, um, brash and really uh, self-confident. But I really like... Yeah what abilities he has, this anti-magic stuff with the swords. I just think that that's cool. That is very interesting um, mm-hmm. in terms of the kind of world this is because he can just cleave through basically absolutely everything. Anything. <laughs> I, I, I do like that. But at the same time, he gets stopped by a lot of things because he, he's only like a blunt instrument. He's not really very clever. Yeah, and this is this series is mostly about the importance of teamwork because when you're alone, you have fewer options. It's it, it's it's sort of what it is about, mm. and it is all about you know teams and groups and of course tears and all the things that One Punch Man makes fun of on a regular basis. Yeah, <laughs> it is it is the anti One Punch Man. It is one of the more common kind of types of series but at the same time it's still pretty enjoyable for yeah. what it is yeah i mean it's not dire i mean it has no. the potential to become dire in the future but right now but it also has the potential it has equal potential to be excellent right i don't which think I, think, I don't think it'll ever become jojo but it definitely could be like bleach tolerable yeah enjoyable on a weekly basis i think that's the best i could ever hope it to be to be bleach which isn't setting the bar very high but yeah higher than naruto Higher than Naruto. At least I can understand what's going on. Also, I think I'm kind of biased with that because I was reading Bleach from the beginning anyway. Yeah. So, Hey, speaking of Bleach, the main character finally showed up again. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, hey, Ichigo, what are you doing in your own, own comic? comic. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, God. Uh, we. It, I'm going to give you a little statistic. This arc started when the sh- when the digital Shonen Jump started. Yes. Like, it bang on almost the same date. There was a very brief arc, I think, when it started. I can't remember the character's name, but he went looking for somebody. and Yeah. And then, then this all kicked off with the Quincy invasion. And it's still going. I mean, even even One Piece has finally gotten... Oh, oh, we thought Dressrosa went on a long time. Good God. Well, I, the thing about Bleach, though, is it's a lot shorter than the other ones. The only, it's, nah. it's, yeah. Yeah. Per chapter, it, it, it's a lot fewer pages. It's Hero of the Week versus Monster of the Week at this point, yeah. and I can live with that. I mean, that, and that's sort of its appeal to me, is that because the char- the the hero the villain the heroes aren't too interesting, but the villains are all very creative. Oh yeah, you had Panida, who's just a giant arm. Now you've got this Valkyrie guy who grows every time you hurt him, and Askin Navara, who is probably the first villain in ages whose name I've actually bothered to remember. The one with the glasses. It- no, he's the guy with the baggy pants and the the kind of fringe who can't die. He becomes immune every right. time. You type of like you use a, a power on him, he just becomes immune to it. Yeah, he's vaccine man. That's right. He's all about poisons. Yeah, like he he can poison you with hot chocolate. <laughs> I look. I, nah, I like it. I, Bleach. Bleach wasn't the series I wanted to talk about, but I'll just briefly cover it. It's doing okay. I don't resent its continuation. Still lurching towards a nebulous conclusion. If, God. If, 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 the, if the ending turns out to be that it was all a dream, I will flip 15 years of my life wasted. Good God, has it been 15 years? Yeah. Uh, and as the complete antithesis to Bleach... And Black Clover. And I'm finding Hero Academia has gone from being a good series to a phenomenal series. Yeah. It's literally one of my favourite comics, full stop, whether it be in any anthology or just a one comic. It's, it's oh, I'm loving it so much. It's insanely good. And it's and it, it, it breaks all of the shonen conventions in all the right ways. It, it, it doesn't stop feeling like a shonen series. That's the thing. One Punch Man stops feeling like a shonen series, even though it technically still is. Right. Air Academia doesn't forget its roots, but it is, for the first time in God knows how many years, there's a series that is carving its own path. It's, oh, God, I'm loving it so much. It's like, since we've talked, Bleach um, has not left its arc. Black Clover has had probably one arc and a mini arc. Hero Academia has gone at a absolute breakneck pace over the last like four or five months. I know, right? And it's just it's amazing. They set up these fights, they have the fights, you feel the the satisfaction of a well choreographed fight scene, and then it doesn't overstay its welcome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also Midoriya reminds me Kind of like Concrete. Have you ever read Concrete? I've read the, some of Concrete. I know I know the story of Concrete. Concrete obviously lived in a world, uh, lived in a very real world. He was a superpowered being, but he lived in the real world, so there were real amplifications of his power. Midoriya 
has only had his kind of his, his super strength power for about six months or so, so he doesn't know how to use it. So every single fight, he most of the fights I don't think he's actually won yet. Certainly not on his own. This is like the the fight with this kind of amplified muscle dude. Yeah, was the first fight he's won solo. Well, and, All the others and clean. And and sorry, he's won clean. Oh, he's won clean. Yeah, he's, that guy's not right out. He might even actually have killed him. <laughs> one for all, one million percent seems like a lot. That does seem like a lot. Also, Rescue Girl's not there. Recovery Girl's not there. So it looks like his arm's properly messed up at this point. I, I, kind, of, I kind of feel like this is a way to get him out of the story so the other students have a chance to shine for the rest of the arc. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because they've set him up perfectly for plenty of confrontations and if do you remember the like the, the exam arc from a couple of months back where they were split into groups of two and each had to fight a, a teacher yeah as part of the he managed to split in a single chapter three different fight sequences and they all felt whole and competent and yeah like fulfilling like you didn't feel like oh well that's a thing that happened moving on because he didn't have to he didn't have to repeat himself he he's mm-hmm. by setting up one in the rules of one your mind filled in the blank of all what the stuff that was left out of each individual fight scene so you saw the conclusion but you could picture in your head everything else the setup and the the circumstances it's like the fights between um, oh that awesome guy, what ectoplasm, the ghost dude who can like replicate his body in massive size and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, with Frog Girl and oh, I forget his name though, the Crow dude who's got like the shadow stand power from JoJo. He's awesome. Oh, they, they everyone's awesome. Everyone's got cool powers. What I found is you don't have. This is something that Bleach could learn. You don't have to have a flashy. X, like kind of cataclysmic power for it to be cool. You can have a really, really simple power, and it will be fun. It's like in a recent chapter we found out that this background character has the ability to make her hands grow massively for like hand-to-hand combat. That's kind of hilarious and more interesting than anything that's been introduced in Bleach in God knows how long. How about these villain designs? Oh, some of them are cool. Some of them are really cool. Like I'm looking at the cover of the latest issue. There's a there's a poster pinup for the for the open. Oh yeah. With the the students and the villains all lined up, and th- some of these these villain designs are just absolutely great. It- oh, the BDSM dude. <laughs> oh god, that is so creepy. He's like the Chatterer from Hellraiser. He, he's completely covered in black with bondage binds and everything. He can't move his arms. And his mouth is just, like, splayed open. Peeled back. Oh, that is grotesque. Another thing about that guy, he might have killed a kid. He might have. Like, I saw the arm, it's just like, oh my god, he bit a kid's arm off. It's just like, oh, hang on. What if the arm's all that's left? Oh. Kohei is not beating about the bush about messing his characters up. Yeah, he's definitely, you know, he definitely doesn't really hold back with the violence and the replications. Mm. Um, I mean, even... Uh, Eraserhead might be dead. What am I trying to say? The way the way that uh, Midoriya gets his arms like messed up every time he uses his oh, powers. God. He just, you, see, you see the bone splinters just pushing through. 
Oh, it's gross. Absolutely crushed himself. Particularly in this most recent fight, it looks like most of his body's just knackered. Absolutely. Ugh. It's like, you know, going back to some of the villain designs, I've just realized on this pinup, there's like three or four villains we haven't seen yet. It's, it's like there's the weird kind of guy who's dapper dressed up. Yeah, with a... I was wondering if I'd seen him yet. He's got the, 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 the trench coat and the top hat and the cane. There's the Spider-Man dude above him. Yeah, which we ha- also haven't seen. He kind of looks like, yeah, he kind of looks like Spider-Man with, like, in black. And even half of these guys, we don't know what, well, we do probably know what their powers are. I get the feeling Spinner, uh, Spinner, the kind of Stein ripoff guy, doesn't have powers. I think he's just this, He's just this guy who looks like a lizard. That's it. <laughs> That'd be and, awesome. and he has the ability to stick thousands of knives together with cable ties and belt buckles. That was him, right? Yeah. He was the one that was so that funny. thing. That was so funny. Yeah, that's kind of the thing I was mentioning before is I, Koei obviously knows his American comics, um, knows the humor. I got the feeling from seeing that, that he was some kind of piss take on life else. Guns strapped to guns, strapped to guns, and pockets and pouches everywhere, and belt buckles, and it just felt like a piss take. Swords glued to swords makes bigger swords, yeah? It's bigger swords. All the swords. All of them. All the cable ties. I think there was a hand grenade in there at one point. But no, I, it's like just the, every character looks unique. And each character design reflects their power. And I think that's like the key to good like storytelling when you can tell everyone apart in a cast that already has upwards of a hundred characters. Maybe, I think. Yeah, that seems about right. There's definitely a lot of characters. There are a lot of characters, and you know, it doesn't feel like there's so many when they're very recognizable. Because yeah, there's not only Class A going on right now. There's class all B. the Class B kids who are all feeling like they're getting the short end because Class A keeps getting all the freaking free super glory. Kids. I know. Well, there's some Class B has some cool characters. I've already mentioned the one girl who's got massive yaoi hands for some reason. <laughs> the Sunflower Eye dude. I forget what his power is, but he's pretty rad looking. Everyone looks rad, actually. Oh, oh God, talking about rad designs. Um, the, the the wild, wild pussycats, really? Yeah. Those guys? What's going on with their deal? Oh, we live in the middle of a forest, so obviously we're going to dress up like some kind of Lolita deal. Even the dudes. Even the dudes. Gotta wonder, though, this kid... Here at the end, though, the kid, um, he makes mention that he's standing in waist-high water and his parents controlled water, so I was kind of wondering if he was gonna try and... If he's if he's actually gonna, like, have powers. Oh, he does, he does doesn't he? Does, I, don't, I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a uh, follow-up to it. He just notices he's standing in water and he's trying to control it, and then there really isn't a payoff for it. Well, he used it, he tried to use it in the fight to get with Midoriya against the muscle dude. He, like, used, like, almost kind of like a jet of water to try and fight him, but it's ridiculously... Oh, weak. you're right. I was, yeah, you're right. It does hit him. It does... And apparently, the, apparently the water pressure is so strong, it can actually dent rock, so... It has some strength to it. It's just going up against, like, a bad guy who's, like, mega... Yeah. Ridiculously strong... 
Okay. You see, that, that kid's arc's kind of interesting because of how he hates heroes because his parents were killed by villains. And it turns <clears> out he's got potential to be a hero himself, so that's all very interesting. Yeah, yeah like he's just kind of resentful of the whole system. Yeah, he hates, he hates himself and he hates everything. And yet, this kid comes and basically sacrifices his entire body for him. Yeah, now it will become my hero. God, Midoriya's such a badass at the end there. Just he's, de- he's definitely got the potential to become a very interesting character. Or no, he already is. He'll just become like one of the really recognizable ones. Yeah. So um, no, I'm looking forward to now that Midoriya's kind of fights out the way we can get the other ones go- rolling. Yeah. He's- Hopefully, I don't know. I don't know how Midori is going to recover from this. Like you said, there's no real way to heal him right now, or at least not. I, I think he's going to be knackered for like ten chapters. Or and, so. and, 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 and wasn't he told like at the at the um, the field days thing that if he goes like hurts himself too badly, there isn't anything she can even do. To... Yeah, it, it it shortens his life there's, basically. There's limits. And this is kind of how All Might kind of is gotten like he's uh like dying of cancer or something because of all using his powers like this right yeah well what i think it was was um he he inherited the power of um one for all one for all and he got into a fight with all for one right and that and, messed him up yeah but he also messed up all for one because we've seen him recently and he looks an absolute mess i see but, Basically, all his heads like being mutilated, and ugh. that'll be interesting to see when he turns up. It'll be a, oh god, I can't believe I didn't mention it. Um, do you remember in the shopping sequence, the shopping center sequence yeah. when uh, Shigaraki turned up? Right. How creepy oh, was man. that? Oh god, it, that was one I actually like switched my panel off in genuine my my iPad off in genuine terror. That was oh so yeah. creepy. Either you can either you can escape and I'll kill everyone, or you can sit right here and maybe I'll kill you or not. That's he's a great villain. Yeah, he is such one of the little things I've noticed that might be about his power is every time he picks something up, like it's the photo of Midoriya or it's one of those severed arms that's like part of his costume, he doesn't touch them with all his fingers. So it's all he actually said that didn't he when he was like. That's his deal. Is that he uses all his fingers, they explode. Yeah, and they do, they just disintegrate. So it's like, is it a subconscious thing? So it's like he seems to be angry with All Might because oh, All Might thinks he can save everyone. What if he like accidentally killed someone because it's a subconscious thing he does? Like he didn't mean to murder someone, and now he's gone down this route of a villain because he's oh, he's blaming himself. Right, because all you got if all you got to do to kill someone is touch him with every finger in your hand, that'd be a really easy thing to accidentally do. Especially if you're like a kid and you, yeah, you, yeah, oh god, yeah, he's an interesting villain. He's just got a great design and all. I should imagine he's an artist nightmare though. So many hands. <laughs> yeah, and um, well, even Muscle Guy has got all those muscle fibers. Yep. That's really good attention to detail. Yeah, but no, here Academia for me is like the best of the bunch right now. Yeah, it, it, they're, they're it, in a jump anyway. Yeah, I mean, for, for a regular series that shows up every week, it's definitely the top of the pile. <clears throat> yeah, it's only really topped out by One Punch Man, honestly. <clears throat> and um, even It though- actually seems to be pretty popular in America right now as well, what? even among regular readers. I think Anna Warren was like, Tweeting about it recently. One Punch or oh, uh, here 
Yeah, I'm sure that as as more volumes start to come out in North America, and it's and especially with the anime coming up this year. It, oh yeah, I think it's going to get more penetration, especially in it. Really, we really people we really got to push it on superhero fans because as a superhero comic, it is excellent. Well, I think it might get the boost it needs because Free Comic Book Day is coming up, Ooh. and it is doubled with One Punch Man for the Viz Media um, title. Now that is a double whammy. It is. I think it's the first three chapters of One Punch Man and the first three chapters of Hero Academia. So it's a, that's a big free comic right there. Viz must be really trying to push that superhero genre, trying to capture Well, it's the one that appeals. One Punch Man is like the leading title, and then there's a little strip at the bottom saying also featuring Hero Academia. <laughs> that's kind of like, meh. Well, One Punch Man already has an anime, and Hero Academia's would have just started by that point. So yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. My Hero Academia is definitely, definitely a highlight of this mm-hmm. of this book. So we've um, come to the end of our uh, mega reviews. Um, I think yep. we should do like a quick lightning round of everything that we did not talk about. Let me just pull up a list really quick, and we'll go down it. All right, so we're gonna do a quick lightning round of everything that we didn't talk about in depth, just to you know say we said something about it um, for the previous uh, the previous uh, month. Um, first up, Bad Company. Of unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of definitely a bit of an unnecessary story. I can't remember if I think Bad Company three wasn't very well liked. Um, and this no, I no, I didn't like that one either. That was the year well stuff. So yeah. Uh, Bad Company should just kind of take a long, long rest, like like forever. I, I understand why they brought it back, you know, as a celebration of... Um, of Peter Milligan. Of Mil- yeah. Oh, yeah, of Milligan, because no. he passed. Brett Ewins. Right? Oh, Brett Ewins was, was one who passed. Yeah, Brett Ewins. Yeah, Milligan's still with us. He wrote it, I think. But uh, but it just, it, it, it just, it felt definitely very unnecessary. And mm. it passed its prime by, like, a lot. Yeah. That said, I do love... Uh, Ray, uh, Dayglow. He is absolutely amazing. Well, if you like Dayglow, he's currently working on a book for Vertigo called The Last Gang in Town, Ooh. which I highly recommend. That's a, that's, title. Uh, that's, a, that, that's a lot of fun. Right. Very English. Uh, the Order. I really love the first series of The Order. Uh, this one has been much more of a slow burn than that one. It's not, it doesn't feel as much of a, uh, a era jam-up as the first one, <laughs> which I really liked. There aren't as many suggestions of vampires and werewolves and other undead horrors so i'm kind of yeah. wondering where this is going thing is with that there's been a long time skip yeah. like hundreds of years but it's hard, so but, but with the order it's hard to tell because time's all out of whack indeed what well, time will tell i get the feeling that this is a part of a like it's a follow-up to the first one but it's also the beginning it's like an in-between yeah I could. I get the feeling it could be like a single book affair. Yeah. Like there'll be three seasons. The, the worm and is definitely still the threat, but it doesn't. Really, the, it's not the same cast. Did we see the queen worm in like the first one? I thought that's I how it ended. Remember. Yeah, maybe it'll come back or something else. Maybe it'll be like aliens and there's a super hive queen. <laughs> oh god, I'm not getting into that continuity landmine. Uh, okay, moving on. ABC Warriors. Ugh. Or Robusters, if you will. Uh, not as bad as previous runs, uh, but so heavy-handed with the political humor. Yeah, it's it's oh god. The worst part is the way they're see the way this was bothering the most about it is how they are using like the nine eleven conspiracy th- stuff 
oh. as like what the reality is in this story. And it's distasteful, in my opinion. It, it is distasteful, especially because the anyone who knows anything about you know how the, that tragedy happened and the the facts on the ground mm. is just it's just absolutely a train wreck. It's asinine. Asinine, yeah. The only good. Th- but I do like Clint Langley's drawn art. When, when Clint Langley draws with black lines, he is actually exceptional. Indeed. So it's a pretty train wreck, but a train wreck nonetheless. Yeah. Strontium dog. Good as always, although I feel that these uh, these sides the ever since the war ended, I feel that it's lost some of its energy. I feel that it's just kind of going through his old paces as opposed to pushing forward like those those post-resurrection stories did. I, I feel the war could come back at some point, but for now, Wagner's like trying to divert as a kind of like a light-hearted side, especially after the resurrection of Johnny Alpha was an incredibly serious series. Uh, last year's run, uh, the Bing Jong Jing 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 yep. racially insensitive run, um was entertaining, and this one is also entertaining, and that's yes. all I can ask for. And Esquire is, as ever, phenomenal. He is on point. He is on on on, on point. Um, definitely less overtly um na- uh, nationalistic than last time. Okay, so uh, moving on to weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, Sinister Dexter. Oh right, that's right. Sinister Dexter. Yeah. Oh wait, yeah. Sinister Dexter. Ah, uh, fun. Hard reset is is it. Hard reset indeed. And actually, the most unco- unfortunate part about that is, I feel that, um, sorry, de- um, sinister, um, shit, um, it's Finnegan's. The girls just kind of vanish. Yeah, and and the worst part is Tracy is one of my favorite characters, and the fact that this basically removes her relationship with uh, this Dexter, right? Yeah. Yeah, is kind of. I really hope that gets dealt with and soon because it does feel like it got ignored with their return to download yeah maybe i don't know this is just like a one part story to like say hey the the boys are back in town they're back in download the whole moses tenenbaum thing is finally Finally over over. um i think for once i might actually be optimistic about sinister dexter Definitely. So let, let's see how I feel this time next year when we've had perhaps one or two more kind of stories under the belt. Yeah, in the, in this post-memory uh, uh, wipe era. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to the jump, World Trigger. Is kind of going through the paces right now. Um, it's def- mm-hmm. definitely a lot of, of same-looking kids getting dismembered by samey-looking aliens. Yeah, it's it. World Trigger is my. Uh, I hate to use this word, but it's my fodder title, my cushion title. I enjoy it for a week, but it's completely disposable. I don't think I'd actually miss it if it's just kind of disappeared. But at the same time, it, it's inoffensive. Yeah, it's nice. It it doesn't make my blood boil. I really wish it would just get a move on and get to the get to travel into the other world because that's what all this is is just kind of stalling for that plot line. I, I feel like that will be the next thing. I think this is just kind of going to be a short arc. It's like a secondary invasion, and uh, they'll finally go. All right, okay, well we can't hold it anymore. Let's just go to the other universe. Torico. 
inexplicable and bewildering. I, I can't tell if it's speeding up or slowing down sometimes. Uh-huh. It, 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 at one time, they're spending, like, ages trying to prepare one thing, and then they're kind of doing... putting it, like, off-panel for others. I don't really know. No. Well, I think one of the best things was they had a whole, like, 40-odd chapter story arc set in this giant shell. Huh. And this was all a backstory, a flashback. And it got to the end, it got back to the modern day, and Toriko literally said, wow, that storytelling felt like it went on forever. <laughs> I was like, well, at least Shima Bakura has a sense of humour. Yeah. I get the feeling, though, that Toriko... Toriko's not that popular anymore. Like, oh. for a, a period of time, like 2008 through to, like, 2012, it was super popular. Yeah. Now it's just kind of there. It was being pushed as, like, the Dragon Ball, like, replacement. Yeah. At the same time, though, I think I read somewhere that um, Oda said if Shima Bakura gets cancelled or kicked out of Shueisha, that uh, he will take One Piece to a rival company. Ooh. So, basically, Oda is... <laughs> Oda is threatening um, Shoeisha or Viz with the loss of their most uh, valuable title. So Toriko's here to stay, and I'm enjoying it nonetheless, as confusing as it often is. Yeah, at least it looks good. At least it's got all, it all the cross-hatch buff men you could possibly want. Yep. Um, Speaking of One Piece. One Piece. Um, One Piece has been excellent lately. Um, this new arc is really intriguing. Very different, considering it seems to be over already. Yeah, it does seem to be over already. It almost feels like it was that that getting on top of that giant elephant, and meeting all the furry people, was just to get to the Sanji stuff. Mm-hmm. Speaking of so which, like the next arc. Speaking of which, I don't actually know if I know who Sanji is because I kept mixing up with Law all last arc. Yeah. You, you, you... I, I can empathize with you because you jumped on like right at the tail end of the Punk Hazard arc yeah. and at the beginning of the Dress Rosa arc. So Sanji has been in like two out of fifty chapters. Yeah, he was. He, he was started he, leading. He was one of the ones that went off elsewhere through, through yeah. most of the arc. Does he? Is he a Devil Fruit user? What's his deal? He is a Devil Fruit user, and that is his mystery. He's the only Devil Fruit user who we do not know what his power is. It's not a specific power like Luffy's or. Robins, it's it's kind of bewildering, is what it is. It's like it's kind of an internal. Uh, it, it's like the Super Saiyan power almost. It's like a massive power up thing, but it, it's very very vague. Well, it definitely seems like we're getting more into it than this arc, because well, mm. unless that's a segue to get rid of him to finish this arc and then go after him. Possibly, I, I think like everything in Zhao. Uh, has been done that could possibly happen. Like the the fight's already over. Um, Kado's subordinate Jack has apparently gone on a suicide mission because he's probably been beat up by the, the navy already. And um, I don't know. We, it just seems to be a character piece at the moment. Meeting all these really colourful characters on Zhao. Yeah. Like Cat Viper, who is Giant Garfield. Giant is- Garfield. I, I love the fact that during the day the dog rules and during the night the cat rules. The cat rules. Yeah, they're great. I do like all of the gags. Uh, Bleach, which we've already bl- talked a little bit about earlier. About, yeah, so we'll just move on if you yeah, don't mind. Ichiro, Ichiro, Ichijo finally showed up in his own <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it continues to exist. It does. Food Wars. Surprisingly excellent lately. 
they've been building a lot of tension in this current arc for what shouldn't have that much tension at all. Nope. It's it, For me, Food Wars is a series that relishes its own excess. It does. It definitely loves so, what it is. If you just kind of dismiss any kind of real-world trappings or just... You, you can just have a lot Logic of Logic or reality. <laughs> and you can't complain that it uh, sits around too long because it does move at a pretty good pace. Yeah, it, does, it doesn't... It definitely it spends a little bit too much time on the actual like cooking competition because that's sort of its whole premise, but it's actually story beats do move pretty quickly. I'd like to see more imaginative kind of like food jokes or references because in the early days there were quite a few references like we've mentioned Jojo. There was a stand battle between two of the characters in like a cook off oh. with the food the, the the stands being like named after food. And that, that was hilarious. And then later there was like a Yu-Gi-Oh spiff and stuff like that. Those, it, it, I think he kind of hit a point where he couldn't do those anymore. Right. Because he ran but, out. Uh, yeah, just ran out. So now it's just have the clothes burst off every single time. And it seems to happen more with men than women. So at least he's being fairly tasteful. <laughs> uh, what's the next one? Oh, the ever-glorious One Punch Man. I gotta say... What's his name? The guy with the bat. Metal, metal Bat. Metal Bat. Metal Bat is surprisingly one of the best characters this series has introduced. And it's almost funny because he almost seems like he's almost Saitama-esque in his power mm. level. And I wonder if that means something. Because it seems like the more he gets hurt, the stronger he gets. Yeah. The, the series definitely has an emphasis on like mental, on like your mental attitude having an effect on your physical strength. Like the really pompous, think themselves so powerful individuals are actually just kind of standard. Right. Like Genos was always going on about, oh, what a great cyborg I am. These massive augments I have, and Genos is actually kind of lame. Right. Yeah. In a, in a, He's always getting dismantled or blown up. Yeah. <laughs> But Metal Bat, he's kind of like Saitama, where he, he's kind of calm about it. He doesn't get up his own ego. He just goes out and beats the giant centipede insect with the bat multiple times until it works. Yeah. <laughs> I like Metal Bat. He's cool. And all this while, you've got Garo walking around, just taking out all these different uh, heroes. What I do like about One Punch Man is at this point, it has an alternating cast. Like, you can bring a character back from, like, 20 chapters ago. And you'll still remember who they are. Like they brought back the uh, the mustachio dude and the archer guy from way back when, like chapter ten or something like that. And Garu beat the crap out of them. Right. Yeah. No, it's good right now. It's especially good that it's been coming out weekly for the yes. last couple of weeks. And and from what I've read, we are still a fair bit behind. So I think we'll still get like a good couple of three or four months worth of weekly chapters, maybe. Nice. Then it, then it will recede again, and we will be wanting. Mm. I'd say now I've been picking up the trade editions, so at least there's bonus chapters in there, which are a nice little kind of subsidy, so to speak. And they're coming out like every two months. Nyaskoi, false love. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. No. 200 chapters in, and Archie has decided maybe he loves Veronica. <laughs> It's Archie, but Archie, at least at a couple of occasions, had good reboots. Uh, have you ever read Afterlife with Archie? I have not. If 
Francesco Francabella in- illustrated a zombie version of Nisekoi, I would actually be interested in it. <laughs> I am not interested in Nisekoi. I am not. I I flick over it, but I don't read it. And all I can say is is that um, the art is uh, nice, but at the same time, there's way too much blushing, there's way too many big eyes, and oh. <laughs> I, I just don't care anymore. I, I, I get the general feeling from what I read online, it's winding down to, like, end. Maybe. So, I, 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 please I, let it be sooner rather than later. I, because I once it's it. gone, that means there's a free spot for Hunter Hunter to come back. Yeah. Yeah. I skim it just so I can make fun of it. Basically, it's riff material. Sadly, it also appears my love story is ending, so we can't ask for that to be re- its replacement anymore. Oh. Oh, I like my love story. Blue Exorcist. Uh, it's still pretty good. Um, we only had that one chapter this month. It's yeah. I don't really know the character they're going after, so it's hard to really care. But uh, this is my problem as well. I've still not like read a load of that. Like I think I jumped on around about chapter. I mean, not chapter, volume ten. So that means I've still got like years worth of stuff to yeah. catch up on seems like her primary attribute is being hot so yeah i do like this new kind of snake slash spider slash samurai ronin villain dude who isn't a complete asshole who's kind of turned up this recent chapter i like him simply because he's got a rad design but no blue exorcist once again just continues to be a an example of of art overwriting yeah it looks good it does look good. And find the... Oh, so gone. Seraph of the End. I, I, I have no idea what's going on anymore. Uh, I, I think it, may, it took an interesting twist, because I, I always assumed that you was going to get brought into the demon army at mm-hmm. some point, but it seems like you and our intrepid heroes have both broken away to be, become their own thing. Which I think... Oh, yeah, there was, a, there was like a t- six-month time skip. Was there? Like, no, at the end oh, of the Oh, right, it did do a time skip. But for, like, six months, everybody looks the same. They're still wearing the same clothes. Mika is somehow still alive despite being dependent on... Other people? On, on like, Krull's blood. Oh, that's right. He, that's right. I forgot that happened. I, gotta, I don't... I gotta reread the series. There's a lot going on. I do. I need to go back to the beginning. I, I might watch the anime, actually. Yeah. I might use that as an alternative, but um, I <laughs> I really, really, really want to love Seraph, but sadly, so often I just find myself going, I don't, I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> yeah, it is one of those ones where you have to, it, the, the month gap is actually a detriment to it because so much yeah. happens in a, in a single month, and then the gap happens, and then you do it again. It, yeah. it does feel like, and, and a lot of the, especially like the the, uh, the demon army, they all kind of look the same, so you get that problem going on, too. Basically. They all wear the same uniform. I do get the feeling it'd work better in a collected format, or as a marathon. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I still like it. I still follow it. I still get excited when it comes back. It's coming back next week. This week, actually, tomorrow. Oh, good. Yeah, so. I don't... I, I, I'll, I'd miss it if it was gone. And that's our lightning round. Basically. And yep. It, and it went lightning fast compared to all those other times we tried to get yeah. them all in. I, I really like that format. I, re- I really I really enjoyed that. That was a nice way to have it all kind of, you know, four things fleshed out nicely and uh, 
everything else just kind of concisely cut down. Very good. Yep, I think we may be doing this for the foreseeable future. So, uh, really quick, just before we go off, uh, we also had an issue with the Judge Dredd magazine. Um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, current lineup's okay. We got a decent Judge Dredd story about going into the, the what is it, the Black Pacific? The Yeah, the Gaia. Oh, that's uh, right. It's like this big the big garbage heap in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Which is a really cool idea. Which, is a, right. which was a real thing. It's not that you know elaborate right now, but it is, there's a, there's like a, a pile Seriously? of... Seriously? There's a... There's a, there's a island of garbage in the Pacific that's almost as big as the United States. It's not very thick, mind you, but it is basically all of the world's trash kind of, kind of ends up in the middle of the ocean as because of, Jesus. of the currents. It's actually a big ecological problem that we have not come up with a decent solution. can't believe I've never heard of that. Yeah. Oh, actually, I think I might have done. I might have read in uh, Nat Geo at one point. But no, that's... Christ, but no, yeah, so that's this, a really this, interesting this, example. So this Judge Dredd story is basically that taken to the next level where there's like ships. Civilizations that, on Civilizations it, yeah. living off of it. Um, the I don't, I'm not a big fan of the artist. Uh, he's got a very painted, very watercolor. Nick Percival? Yeah, I've never really liked his art. It not, oh. It's just a personal taste thing. It's just, it, yeah. it's hard to tell what's going on sometimes. Now, you see, I feel he's, he's he's in the same house as Clint Langley's photorealistic style, but I feel he's kind of a couple of tones down from Clint Langley, where it doesn't look like complete Photoshop, and indeed he's not inserting himself into the arts like Clint Langley does right. constantly. Is he slain? But he is slain. He is the protagonist of American Reaper. He is, ev- I'm pretty sure he's in Robusters a couple of times. Ugh. But, um, no, I think Nick Percival, I like Nick Percival's art anyway. But, uh, I th- no, I think the guy is an interesting concept. Um, we, the- we have another Dread strip, actually. Yeah, we got is- Dread Dread based on movie Dread. Yeah, which is really interesting because some people describe it as, like, Dread Light. Like, they, they, they appreciate the fact that the Dread movie had to cut out a load of... Um, world like, world building type things. World building type stuff, like make it more mundane. Uh, but I, I don't think that's a bad thing, because what we get here is we get... Even in the most serious of the main Dread strips, there's still an underlining kind of humour to it. Um, these kind of Dreads that tie into the, the Dread movie feel almost kind of like a Scandinavian kind of... like crime thriller yeah like they feel more down to earth and real i can't believe i just described a scandinavian thriller as realistic <laughs> but um is that a genre oh yeah oh god you're not getting them over there oh, i'm sure we get a few i mean you think like- oh there's loads of them on tv like bbc4 is absolutely awash with them this is pretty much should just be renamed bbc scandinavia Ooh. okay i didn't realize there was there, there was such a demand Massive amounts. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure one or two of our listeners will probably tell us about it, but it's there's just loads of it. But no, it's that general feel that I feel is in the Dread comics, like the Dread 2012 yeah. movie comics. I'm enjoying it. There's this kind of weird sand assassin guy going around killing random people. Yeah, this so. is like the Dread movie version of a vigilante story that you'd see in Dread sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's also got, you know, some... Things about cur- the cursed earth and yeah, it's got I, Ben Wilshire on art, so it looks nice. It does look nice. A uh, pointy boob armor 
Uh, minus boob armor, I know. That's such a that's such a jarring design. It's very 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 strange when you have um the movie to go off of. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, this is yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and then of course we have a uh, Demarco story, which is written by Michael Carroll, which I find interesting because in the most latest 2000 AD, it it ties into Michael Carroll's story. It does. At least not directly. I mean, you you read the latest 2080, right? Yeah, they've both got DeMarco in them. Right, at the very end, DeMarco makes a a turn up. Yeah, apparently she's been acting undercover in that uh, ghost unit for a while. Which, now that you think about it, he's using her in Dread. Maybe she's the one. Oh, (laughs) The reverberating... The re- oh, God. I really hope not, because what, I love DeMarco. What will Jack Point do now? You have to go back to uh, being a lonely... Uh, simp. A lonely simp, I know. And he won't have a fuck buddy anymore. He'll still have an evil alien raptor, though. Which is somewhere in the city and is a very, very, <laughs> very weird plot thread. So, just a. Uh... You know, the, the real reason we want to talk about the Meg is that Demon Nick ended. Oh, and it was so good. It was good. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Um, how did you feel about how it ended? I, I, I felt it was a tad kind of... Um, quick? Quick. Yeah, because... A little flat. But at the same time, it the, the whole series was pretty breakneck. That's true. So I was just kind of like, came, it went, left me wanting more. Will we get any more? I don't know, because Paul Grist is currently working on more Kane and Mudman. Right. And Jack Staff is still nowhere to be seen. I, I do want to see more of it. I definitely want to see what uh, Mercy, what what he has in store. What her deal is. Yeah, because yeah. you, get, you get a sense of what it might mean, but it's... Um, I know a few people online, or at least one person online, was a little confused by the opening because it was a flashback. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I feel he could have done with perhaps changing the color scheme up a little bit to that to make it more you know putting some kind of, put some kind of filter over it, make it look a little. Would that really work with Gris style though? Maybe. I mean, he could do a muted palette. I mean, that's totally doable. Might make it all grays. Maybe maybe like, change the background from black to white. That's an idea. It is getting reprinted. I know it's getting printed as like a, a, a series by Image, as like a four-issue miniseries, and then it's getting collected by Image. Excellent. I'm glad it'll be more widely available in North America. Yeah. Might actually see his other series get a spike in sales, uh, but um, I'm pretty sure people said that with Mudman as well. You know, Image seems to get all these indie books. Um, I think they got they got Ordinary, and they got this, and they got... Uh, no, I'm pretty sure Ordinary was Titan. Oh. Just under the bookshelf. Oh, you're right. It was Titan. It was. Yeah. A, a lot of the stuff in the... Um, I think it's... Yeah, a lot of the stuff that's in like, the, the, the magazine uh, creator-owned slot goes to Titan. Mm. Number Cruncher was one as well by right. Sasbury. I forgot that went... Uh, but Snapshot went to Image. I don't... Oh, Christ, that was the Jock series. Yeah. I completely forgot that even existed. And I so. don't think uh, Man of the Ministry has been reprinted. No, because I think, um, according to um, Rene, Re, Rene, there is a um, another series in production, so that's not going to get reprinted for a while. Nice. I like that series a lot. 
That was a lot of fun. I like that one. So just and just to tie up the magazine, uh, Cinnamon reprint, big come down off of Tyranny Rex. Indeed. Which unfortunately we didn't get to talk about because we I was we, we didn't do any recording during those months. Uh, but no. What did you think of the, cinnamon... What did you think of the Tyranny Rex Ex Machina? They're absolutely fucking amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That... I, I I loved it. I loved it so much. Like I love so much of. Um... John Smith's work. John Smith, yeah, it's, it's it's one of his more comprehensible story arcs. Yeah, and um, it, it almost reads like. Uh, have you read of um, Leatherjack or Firekind? I've read Leatherjack and Firekind, and both are his. It seems to be his series that aren't Indigo Prime. Right, that are the more comprehensible. So I think it could just basically be summed up as John Smith is incomprehensible, but only in Devlin Wharf and Indigo Prime. Mm-hmm. Well, they did reprint that. Um, what was it called? It was um, something. Uh, Danzig's Inferno, in uh, the last one, and that that was more of the kind of John, oh yeah, the kind of John Smith that's harder to take. Yeah, I didn't. I just completely forgot about that. So yeah, that was a bit odd. Um, that one. That was a future shock, wasn't it? Or was it like a three part? I, I, I think it was a two parter. And then. Uh. Yeah. I don't know. That's one of those odd ones. Yeah, man. it just kind of. That could have been a thriller in the modern time. Yeah. Um, a little more Tyranny Rex come next week, uh, next month. Uh, gonna be reprinting the last, the last one with the the last Simo- uh, cinnamon story. Oh really? Oh yeah. good, they're doubling it up. But un- yeah, but I mean, unfortunately that that series kind of like the last Devil and Law series. It kind of set up the return, and then it didn't really materialize. And also, it was drawn by. Um, um, uh, Red Seas guy. Uh, Yoel? Yeah, Yoel drew it. So it doesn't. I seem to have read somewhere that uh, Tyranny also tied into Indigo Prime. Oh, uh, Tyranny Rex does tie into Indigo Prime vaguely in that favorite. She spun out of uh, Favorite and Loeb, who, okay. who Indigo Prime also spun out of. I see. And of course, there was the whole Dead Eyes thing, which was also part of Indigo Prime. Right. So it's my dream that uh, Tyranny Rex becomes a member of indigo prime but i don't think that's going to happen maybe it made a re it made a return recently so yeah. uh who and, knows? And, and indigo prime is coming back this year it is indeed i'm pretty sure i saw thrill the future for it or maybe it maybe it was a full ad in the, the christmas special it was because it had the big lee carter poster design yeah oh so anyway no cinnamon quickly because yes. um i uh, oof, I don't know what to make of it, really. It's one of those odd ones it's that a, just kind of came out. It's a bad girl action space series. It's it's Emma Peel in space, is what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's got a sci-fi story about um, a, a techno-virus and a, a, a human trying to become a machine, and <laughs> she thwarts it. I mean, it's nothing, nothing spectacular, but it, it looked pretty good, and it was mostly harmless. It was mostly harmless. Um, some of the slightly dated kind of uh, sex appeal, yeah. I guess you'd yeah. call it. It, it, it. it isn't my kind of thing. Um, That's probably why it's, it's not very well regarded because it's very, very generic action girl type stuff. And you know, there's an appeal to that, but at the same time, you really got to do something really special to make it stand out. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it just kind of came and went. Not one of those reprints. I, I mean, I only read it like two weeks ago, and uh, you've forgotten most of it. I've forgotten most of it. Yeah, I read it like a week ago, and I'm only vaguely familiar with it. <laughs> familiar with it, yeah. 
And I, I actually meant- I only read the first one. I didn't read the second one yet, but it's short, so I'll get to it here soon. Yeah, and actually, no one I, I, that second one's the first cinnamon I actually read because that's when it ran in the Prague. So I was mostly confused about it because I hadn't read the first one. Yeah, well, you, you had the same problem with Faces, didn't you? Yes, you Faces was almost impossible to read without having read Freaks. Yeah, those both got reprinted recently as well. Yeah, we talked about those in the last Lost episode, so we'll uh, maybe did we? Yeah, we talked about freaks. Yeah, we may not. We never got to faces. That's right. That's another one we missed. Faces wasn't very good, ultimately. uh, Nah, it wasn't. It (laughs) It was completely anticlimactic after freaks. Artistically, it looked great, but it it was the it did not have the 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 biting satire that Milligan infused in freaks. Oh, indeed. It was Higgins needs Milligan for that strip if it's ever to make a return, and I highly doubt it will. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's uh, Weekly Comics Monthly for this month, for month of January 2016. Um, anything else? Uh, I think we made good time. I think we made good time indeed. I definitely like the quickfire format, so I think we should work with that a little bit. Uh, well, not work with it a little bit more, because I think it's pretty much right now. But um, uh, I don't really have an awful lot to add now. Obviously, we've talked about the magazine. It doesn't leave an awful lot of time for other stuff uh, besides, but I don't think we really need to. Yep, I mean... So, um, do you ever read Ultraman? Volume 1? Oh, God, no. It's still on my to-read pile. Okay, then we won't talk about that. Well, until next time, guys, thanks for listening to Weekly Comics Monthly. If you want to drop us an email, you can find us at... Uh, uh, weeklycomicsmonthly at gmail.com and of course at our website uh, wcm.com or maybe it's no, it's, it's guttertrash.net oh, guttertrash.net guttertrash.net slash wcm sorry <laughs> no, that's right I wouldn't remember that myself I need to start writing this down in case I ever do the outro I need to do the outro for a change give you a rest Actually, let me be 100% about that email. It's, yeah, it is weeklycomicsmonthly at gmail.com. That's, uh, that's for certain. Yeah, that's what I've got written down on my notepad. And we'd love to hear from you. Any uh, questions, comments? Uh, we might read them on the air. If you have any like trivia you want us to answer badly, you know, we're here for you. Yeah. I had, um, I did, it wasn't like addressed to us, but I did have an interesting like question concerning uh oh christ what was it now it was concerning bad company and somebody was uh, saying do you have to have read the previous installments in bad company to read the recent rerun and i was kind of like you should just read that yeah (laughs) just read the original read the original there are two trades for bad company goodbye cruel world and the complete bad company I have the complete bad company, and it was a waste of money. Go for Cruel World. Because that one's that's just book one and two, right? That's just book one and two, so it's the good bad company. <laughs> the good bad company. I've actually noticed the complete bad company's recently gone out of print, so they're probably going to reprint it with all the new stuff as well. That makes the most sense, yes. Because I, I uh, yeah, I first bought uh, Goodbye. Did I buy Goodbye Cruel World? Yeah, I have Goodbye Cruel World, which I think has three. I don't know. I haven't checked in a while. I, I've never been a big fan of Bad Company. Uh, for no. whatever reason, it never clicked with me. Yeah. 
But um, yeah. And I would also say on a final note about uh, Bad Company, if you enjoyed the artwork, check out Rufus Dayglow's current series, Last Gangs in Town. Last it's, Gangs in Town. It's pretty awesome. It's a Vertigo series, which means he owns it. For at some point in the future. Uh, they have exclusive rights to it, I believe, for several years, depending on what you negotiated. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain about how Vertigo do things. Especially not in comparison to creator own rights with Light Image and Dark Horse. Ooh, yeah, this looks good. Oh, yes. <laughs> He's such a good artist, though. <laughs> I love him. Can we have him in the prog more? <laughs> you wish. You wish. Trouble is, he's actually not in the prog very much. In fact, I don't know if he's... The only stuff he ever did in 2080 I'm really aware of is the Tank Girl stuff that was running the magazine for a while. Oh, he did something else. Uh, forget now. I always oh, think right. he, had, good... he had that one strip of low life. Oh, yeah, he did. Forget about that. Yeah, that's good. He did... That was good stuff. Yeah. I'd also like think he'd be a good replacement for Neil Gouge on Survival Geeks. Mm, that would be a good... That would be a change. That would be an interesting change. Could definitely change it up a bit. But that's about everything from me. Ah. So, no, definitely send us your letters or send us your emails or whatever you call it. Uh, Jim's already given you the addresses. And, yeah, thank you for listening. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a good one. See you next month. See you next month on Weekly Comics Monthly. Bye-bye.